You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. Well, welcome back to another episode of Sexy Marriage Radio, where honest, straightforward conversations are taking place. And we're actually in the middle of kind of, I guess you'd say, a series, which we don't usually do on Sexy Marriage Radio, where we have, they kind of build on each other or, you know, there's topics that they interweave. We kind of do each show to be a standalone, because sometimes that's the way sex is. Each episode, each interlude is a standalone and maybe we build off of each other, but not always in a chronological thing, because you can always have a dud in there. <laughs> so. I, I, I love the way that you're uh, philosophizing and theologizing this. You're really just candy coating the fact that you and I can never get totally organized enough to figure out now if we were to do a series, what would that look like? That's fair. Because we fly by the seat of our pants That's fair. every week. <laughs> That's fair. But, but I do love that we have to come up with this notion of examining the impact of various emotions right. on our life. Right, right. And so it's it's one of those that, you know, some of this comes because of the thread of emails we get. But, you know, with those that come in, the feedback at sexymarriageradio.com, where we get questions and we get thoughts and we get suggestions and we get ideas and we get, hey, what do you guys, I need some resources for this or for that. And one of the things that I think of when I just think through the, the series of emails we get from our awesome listeners, because we do have the sexiest, most awesome listeners on on the planet. And we do. We is the one that where they kind of describe what's going on in their life. Because, you know, life can have a lot of things happening. You know, you get aging parents, you get children, you get work, you get movement, you get, you get moving. Issues. Yeah, you get financial stress, you get just job stress, tragedies, you get, you know, natural disasters, you get all these different things that can happen <laughs> to where it feels like you're competing for your spouse because of what's going on in their world. Or mm. you're competing for time or you're, you know, and so when you read some of that, and when I think about some of the things that some of my clients have to go through, I can't help but walk away with an element of sadness of, mm. man, that's, there's a lot going on in people's lives. And, and some of it's yeah. not their own doing. Some of it is, and I think some people would acknowledge that, but some of it is just life on life terms. So yeah, that fits yeah, it is exactly an where we're going. Hazard. Right. It, yes, it is. Yeah, because... It's an occupational hazard, a counselor or a coach by nature. We hear from our clients when there's a problem, <laughs> when there's a crisis, when there's trauma, when there's a huge you know, disconnect and we're ready to throw in the towel. And, yep. and we don't you love it? If we've decided or we've decided that if we don't make progress in today's session, we're going to go ahead and file for the divorce. It's like, gee, no pressure. Yeah. No I told, I told Pam the other day, just because I've had a string of, of weeks of some real difficult cases. And, mm. and I told her, I said, I just want an easy couple. Want, just give me one <laughs> right now that just, you know, Hey, things are pretty good, but we just need something to, spice it up you know it's just like give me something easy and, but she's yeah. like i think you're in the wrong position you're in the wrong profession dude you know i'm like yeah you're right that's not really yeah right. i was actually I, I was blown away last night i had a one-hour call with a client who came to women at the well two years ago and i was thinking okay she's reached out because she's you know probably falling off the bandwagon or whatever no she spent the first 20 minutes telling me how good she feels how strong she feels how she's put on her big girl panties all of her relationships are much better and 
And then we got into what she was calling for, which wasn't earth shattering or anything, but I just thought, wow, yeah. like I have never, I, I've never felt so light after a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was refreshing, but Hey, another heavy thing that causes people to feel a lot of sadness and just, you know, the weight of what all is, is happening in their world is when the holidays come upon us. And I know that Thanksgiving is right around the corner, followed by Christmas, followed by the new year. And for some reason, that seems to bring out the sadness in a lot of people. It Why can. is that? Well, you get the, what, there's a whole seasonal affective disorder out there that's in the DSM. Yeah, why does it have to be in winter time? Well, <laughs> think about it, though. Winter, for most people in the country, it, I mean, and I realize we have a worldwide audience. So those of you that are in the Caribbean, you, you just drink your, you know, drink your drink and lay in the hammock for a little bit longer and, and tune us out. <laughs> But yeah, but they have winter, but even I'm talking about equator where it's pretty much the same weather, yeah, but, but you, Christmas falls they, in, right, they have a monsoon still, but I think the whole, <laughs> the seasonal affective disorder is when you're talking about winter time where you're inside more, it's a little more overcast mm -hmm. usually. So it's a gloomier feel and some some people associate all the holiday decorations and stuff with tragedy with loss with something because think of it the pressure cooker you're talking about is sometimes when major decisions are made of you know i found out i mean i have a client that comes to mind that a parent died christmas morning and so that's yeah. that skews the holiday forever <laughs> you know it's right you don't have well, good thoughts the all the time about it yeah, and just the fact that there's an empty chair that even if all the seats are filled with bodies, you know that there's somebody missing from yep. the table, whether it's a spouse that or a, a parent that you lost or a spouse that you're separated from yep. or a child who's rebellious and run away or you know like there there is a sense of this should be the time of year when we are all together as a family when our tribe is is reconnecting and if there is even one person missing from that it can be really sad. Like I'm even preparing myself for a little bit of sadness on Thanksgiving day because my daughter's in grad school in New York and she can't possibly come home both Christmas and Thanksgiving. Why do they have to be so close together? That just seems so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, so it can be a mild thing that's going on in your world that ushers in some sadness, or it can be a major thing that yep. ushers in some sadness. Yep. And chances are that does have an impact on your marriage and on your marriage bed. Yep. Um, and you know, I have to say that we have actually learned that in times of sadness, sex is more important than ever. Uh, I, I know That's that been I've your experience. Yeah. That. Cause you've talked about that with your experience with Greg and his dad and I have, yeah. uh, and just recently we went through, uh, Greg has had a kidney stone since July that was causing him so many problems. And so he was getting depressed. He was getting frustrated. He couldn't pass it. It was causing a lot of pain. He was mm -hmm. having to miss a lot of work. And so obviously he can't function sexually when that's the problem going on. And so it wasn't that, you know, that the intercourse part of it was what we were aiming for, but there was a lot of holding. There was a lot of tenderness. There was a lot of him going down. Uh, that maybe that was too graphic for us to know, but I mean, it was a lot of him offering sexual intimacy to me because even though he couldn't have the fun of it himself, he could still feel connected to me and comforted by what he was able to offer to me. Right. And so I do think that that sadness can actually be comforted and alleviated to some degree by not neglecting 
sexual intimacy. Don't let sadness be a reason that you don't have sex or that you don't cuddle or caress or something. Let it be the impetus that causes you to say, maybe we need to spend some time just holding each other tonight. You know, maybe, maybe we need to give each other massage. Right. You know, maybe, yeah, maybe we just need to make out for a while because that releases good chemicals in your brain. French kissing, especially it releases all kinds of endorphins. Yeah. And so it can actually be better than what Xanax or I don't know what all you prescribe. You probably know more about that. Than <laughs> yeah. I do. No, but I, I think that that's where you, you have to just parse it all out because if you think of how we interweave a lot of different things with the meaning of sex that, you know, I want sex just because uh, it, you know, I hear it because it makes me feel connected. It, it gives me a release. It's, it's just a physical act. It's an intimate thing. It's, you know, all these different things. So what if in the moments of sadness, I figure out what I'm really wanting is that connection, is that skin-to-skin -skin thing. So it doesn't have to be sexual, although it could lead to that. Right. Well, you think about, like, go back as far as you can in your memory bank. When you were a little kid and you were upset, what did you really need most? You needed your parents to pick you up and hold you. You needed to feel the warmth of that right. skin to skin because it does create oxytocin. That is better than any Valium that you could possibly take. And so when did we outgrow our need right. to be held? Right. I think that that is one of the most basic needs. And um, you know, as a, a coach, that's something that I'm actually able to inquire with my clients of, you know, on occasion, you know, especially like with single women. You know, single women never get any kind of physical touch, you know, who are, who are they going to get it from? And they just feel so hungry for that skin to skin. And, and I have a few clients that we've built a strong enough relationship that I can say, do we need to spend a few minutes holding you? And it is such a privilege to get to offer that to someone where there's no agenda, there's mm -hmm. no threat, there's no anxiety or fear of they can just relax and sense those chemicals being released in their body of, of that skin to skin contact. But in marriage, there's really no excuse for us not to have those feel good feelings flowing, even when we're sad from our spouse, because if we can't ask our spouse to hold us, there's something wrong. If we can't offer to hold our spouse, there's something wrong. Right. And I know it feels really, really vulnerable. And some people get really freaked out by even the thought of either asking to be held or asking to hold someone. But when did we ever outgrow the need for it? Right. If it's what comforted us as a baby and as a child, why wouldn't it comfort us as an adult? Right. Yeah. And I mean, so there. The, yeah, that just comes to touch, doesn't it? I mean, there's the, there's the levels of holding. Then there's just even the levels of touch that just to be able to hold hands or put a, put your arm on somebody's shoulder or I mean, all of that is just, there's a bond that's created that yes. it, it seems to be a struggle when it comes to married life, but it even comes to, is even a struggle in, in some ish instances of, of life of, in society, you know, that of how do you connect with somebody and, and have that where it does help us because we're meant to be in relationship. I think there's a component of us that we're not meant to be isolated beings that we're, it's we're, not good for a man in, to be alone or woman. Yeah. We're in relationship. And so 
there's the element of, you know what? I just really want you to hold me. I just really want a hug. And then I can, I can immediately hear, yeah, but they're just going to want sex then if I do that. Well, so what? You know, that doesn't mean you have to have sex. You know, mm -hmm. don't just have to jump to, well, now I got to be on guard. No, just start teaching them differently of, I'm going to start speaking for what I want and I'll draw the line where I'm willing to draw the line as it unfolds. Mm -hmm. And who knows? Uh, it could be that you decide that you want to be more intimate. And wouldn't that be a good thing, especially yeah. if you have a spouse who's willing to yeah. go there with you? I think that we just, yeah, women especially, I think we need to open our minds to the possibility that even though I may not want it now, the idea of being held or touched or hold hands or, you know, have his arm around me on the couch or whatever, maybe that appeals to you enough that you can go there. But if your feelings evolve, then isn't that a good thing? Yeah. If you decide that you could be responsive to sex or maybe even that you want to initiate sex, isn't that a good thing to act your way into a new way of feeling? Yeah. So vitally important. And, it, and I think that it's especially possible when we're sad because I just don't think that sadness, well, you mentioned in a previous show, I was going to say, I don't think that sadness is particularly an emotion that repels people. I think that it, it kind of draws people in to see how can they comfort you? Cause <laughs> right. I think we like to be comforters, but granted there are some people. The nurturers like, yeah, that. nurturers like to be comforters. Yes. Because they feel yes, like do. they feel, they get something out of it yeah, beyond we do. the connection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but talk to us about those people who do get freaked out by other people's sadness or by their own sadness. What, what, what do you think is the psychology behind that? Well, I, there's multiple things that come to my mind. And one of them is just this whole, it, sadness has an, an air of uncontrollableness or, um, volatility or icky, <laughs> ickiness, I guess you could say that, that how do you handle somebody's tears? that when they're just sobbing over something, how do you just sit and quiet yourself to be with them? Um, you know, that's, that's the whole stuff in grad school where you learn the whole deal of, you know, when you, when a client is sobbing, do you offer a Kleenex, you know, because there's the unspoken, Hey, get this under control, clean, your, yeah, clean your yourself, up. Yeah. clean yourself up versus you know, you just let them slobber all over your couch, you know, because they got snot coming out and they just, you know, it's like, well, no, you don't. You just put a Kleenex box in a very obvious part and they can reach for it when they, when they feel like they need it. But it's, I don't know, because think about it. We all have a level of when we've talked to a friend and they actually flip the script and share what's really going on. <laughs> and it's icky and it's nasty and it's, and it's just dark. And there's a part of it that's like, good luck with that. And we want to just get out of that conversation as fast as possible because it's this whole element. I cannot control or help or really be anything other than present. And there's parts of us that we don't want to come up against our own limitations in that regard. And so it just, we run from it because we were either taught, you know, showing emotion or sadness is weak or, mm -hmm it's, it's a victim or it's a manipulation or, you know, because think about it. How often does, does it happen in married life where tears are really a flat out manipulation? There's yeah, it's not completely a hundred percent. It's not a hundred percent manipulation, but there's a big element of it that I know if I cry, I'll get my way. You'll back down, you'll relax, yeah, you'll whatever. 
when, when Greg learned that I could quiver my chin on command, it lost its power. Because <laughs> I was just trying to get my way. Yeah. I'm a few tears. Yeah, I mean, because we as, we as humans are some of the most sophisticated people on the planet on getting our way. And we don't recognize that a lot of times. And mm -hmm. we're like, you should care that I'm sad about this. Well, what if I don't? Does that mean mm -hmm. I don't love you? Not at all. It just means I don't care that you're sad about that, you know, and that's that's a harsh thing until you start thinking about it from a deeper perspective of, hold on, if I, because I just think of it in the sense of, if I have to join Pam in her level of sadness to demonstrate I care, I am no longer in a position to really be in caring mode. To be a comforter. Right. To, right. The comforter to has to have a higher level of emotional right. sobriety right. to really be a comfort. Yeah. Uh, it does sound harsh at first, but when I really take a second to pause and think about it, you're basically saying you're just not going to enable them right. to continue spiraling even further down. Right. That you're that you want to try to be a source of inspiration to pull them back up. Yeah. Which is which is great, but I think that ultimately we have to be the ones to decide when we're done being sad. I don't think that that's something that can be projected upon us of, yeah. okay, my patience has run out with this, so you get over it now, uh, or by the time I get home or right. whatever, because I think that that just, sometimes it, you know, a person who's really sensitive can interpret that as they don't even care. Yeah. But I, I do wanna encourage listeners to uh, monitor your own um, sadness in such a way that you can decide when it's time to move to a, a different and more productive emotion. Cause let's be real. Sadness is not a very productive emotion when all you feel like doing is laying in bed, staring at the television, watching, you know, mindless show after show and just lay there and cry. Stuff isn't getting done. Kids aren't being taken care of. Meals aren't being prepared. Right. You're, you're, you're slacking at work. Most likely it, it's just, it's not a very productive emotion, but it's a very real emotion. Yeah. It's one of those where if we don't take time to let the sadness cloud totally darken the room for just a little while, then it builds and it builds and then we really have no control over it. So here's an example of what I actually experienced a few weeks ago. And I don't know what triggered this, but by around eight o'clock at night, I was a sobbing, blubbering idiot. But at least I was mature enough to say to Greg, I don't know what this is about and I'm not going to try to make it about you that I just, I feel overwhelmed right now. I feel stressed. I feel frazzled. And then I got to thinking about it. You know what? All afternoon I have been snacking on candy corn and I did a Google search and learned that the red dye and the yellow dye, especially in combination can really do a number on your brain circuitry. And that's why kids freak out after birthday parties, after having, birthday cake and red Kool-Aid type of a thing. Okay. And so I just chalked it up to, okay, I'm just having a biological response to what I've been picking out all day. When I said snacking, I really meant picking out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to pay the price, but I told myself, I'm going to just sob it out here for the next hour on the couch. But after that hour time frame, I'm going to get up and I'm going to check my emails and I'm going to switch the laundry and I'm going to maybe go for a walk before bedtime. And it was just like, okay, I'll feel this to the, to the full extent that I can, but I'm not going to let it take control. Right. And I'm not going to drag this into tomorrow. That was determined not to drag it. into Yeah. Tomorrow. And that's, and that's the whole concept. I think we're talking about with all these different emotions 
you know, of fear, of anger, and now of sadness, that they are real. They're not going to kill you, but they're real. And so we need to honor those and acknowledge it and learn. I use the phrase, learn how to digest it and use it for something good, not work through it, not avoid it, not temper it, but digest it. You know, that's where you actually do use that kind of stuff. Because think about how many times have people in that you've come across in life and professional athletes hit this, where they have taken fear or disappointment or anger and propelled that, used that to propel them to the echelon of their ability. Right. So sadness can be the same thing that we use that to channel towards something productive where you honor whatever you're sad about or you show it or you share it or because how many times have there been sites or things that have gone viral in our social media world that sadness is what fueled it Mm. well i think of eric clapton's song was it uh something about tears in heaven after his son died exactly after his son fell from like the 52nd floor of an apartment building like really tragic death but it is by far his best song, you know, uh, highest ranking it, song ever. Yeah, because it, it resonates with another level of, of emotion from people. That's where artists, yeah. you know, are, have some of the best stuff. They're, right. they're really messed up. You know, they really right. have you're, a lot of mess that they've worked through. You're talking about sublimating their yeah. sadness. And I think of Johnny Cash. I mean, he was the king of that, in my opinion. Uh, just the songs about being in prison and all that kind of stuff. It was it was down and it was depressing, but wow, were those great songs. Yeah. yeah they stuck with us. Yeah. So you uh, use it for something good. And that's where what you're talking about with your experience with Greg is you can actually use that to connect on a deeper level with your partner, but you can't do yeah. that without acknowledging it in yourself first. You can't let, I mean, and I'm, I'm just saying this as an idea of word of warning, I guess, if anything, that, you can't come at it that I need my partner to match my level of whatever. It's just Mm-mm. that I need to recognize my own and what I'm wanting from you is just a comfort of presence or a connection or a hold or something, a conversation or just listen. And I distinctly remember Greg coming in and I had, well, I had spent an hour on the couch outside, not quite an hour on the couch outside, you know, just letting myself blubber. And the only thing I kept asking myself, what is it about? What is this, what is this really about? And the only thing that I could come up with is I feel overwhelmed by the fact that the deck really needs to be repainted. And I thought, but I know I'm not such a petty person that I'm crying <laughs> over how weather-worn our deck is. Right. You know, it's like, there's no way that that's what this is really about. But we did repaint the deck the following weekend, just as a good measure. You know? Okay. <laughs> Just to be sure. But when I went inside, I distinctly remember I took a shower and I just laid face down on the bed and was still, you know, still crying, still having a hard time controlling the tears. And my husband came over to my side of the bed, sat down on the edge and just said, may I just stroke your back for a little bit? He said, I I don't know what's wrong. I don't know how to fix it because I, you know, I can't fix it if I don't know what's wrong. But he said, can I at least just rub your back? And I said, absolutely. You know, so just just the least little yeah. thing that just acknowledges I see how you're feeling and it makes me sad to see you sad, but no, I didn't want him to crawl down into the sadness pit with me. Oh, good heavens. Then I would feel as if I have to drag him out and I didn't have the energy. I needed him to be the strong one. Right. But I, the last thing I needed was for him to belittle me and say, Oh, you're being ridiculous. You're one of the luckiest women on the planet. You're, you're, you know, your whole life is thriving. Everything you touch turns to gold. What do you, you know, stop crying or, or, you know, like our parents did stop crying or I'm going to give you something to cry about. Right. You know, that helped. 
So just an acknowledgement of, you know what, it's okay for you to feel sad once in a while, because here's what I suspect. I, you know, I had, because I felt so frazzled and frustrated, overwhelmed, I think that sometimes sadness sets in is our body's way of saying, you have to slow down. Yeah. You have to slow down or else there's going to be some physical consequences here. And I think that sadness is just our brain's way of saying, you need to chill out. Mm -hmm. You need to just cuddle up with your blanket in your jammies and just chill for a while. And we usually do feel better when we need to learn to be still girl. Cause think about it. I mean, what you're describing is the same thing. I should have shared this last week that, um, that's the same thing I went through because we, you know, we went on a little season with the Sexy Marriage Radio Getaway and then AACC conference and you know lots of bang, yeah, bang, 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 another. bang. And so coming down off that, I had a week of just being pissy, you know, of just <laughs> I was just in this funk of just kind of I was just mad about nothing, you know, until I sat down and like, okay, I got this, I got this, I could. That's a lot actually. I, that makes sense on why I would be short with a lot of things. So. What do I need? What can I do? You know, so it's just kind of, I, I work through it by the sense of, okay, that's, I understand that. Fine. I can, that's, that's a justifiable anger, whatever that that's ridiculous. That's, oh, I, that's done. You know, so just kind of get a better perspective and breathe and relax. And sadness can be that way. Cause it's a way to honor whatever it is that you're sad and, and not celebrating, but experiencing. Yeah. And I do think that it is very important for us to carve out that time where we give ourselves that freedom to either rest or rejuvenate, whatever that looks like. Right. I know for you, it's, it looks like a basketball game here in a few minutes that you're eager to scoot oh, off to. Sure. Uh, for me, I, I actually, um, the past, you know, yeah, the past probably three months, just been one thing after another for me on my calendar, on my day timer, if you were to look at tomorrow's date, it has a big bubble around every time slot. And in the middle of that bubble, it says sanity day. And I have worked like crazy just to schedule all my clients on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday. But on Wednesday, it's like, I've carved out a day that if I need to vegetate, if I need to stare at the ceiling, or if I just need to hop on my bike and ride for three hours or whatever I need to do to feel in control and comforted and rested, that's what I'm going to do with my day. So I just, whether you do that on a Saturday or actually we're supposed to do that weekly, it's called Sabbath. That's Uh, what comes to my mind is there was something built in that is intentional. Take a day off and relax each week. We need that rest. Yes, we We do. We need that rejuvenation. Yes, we do. And when we are laying around in bed and getting that, uh, that rest and that rejuvenation, what a great time to invite your spouse to join you. What a great time to say, Let's just spend some time, you know, whether it's staring into each other's eyes or holding each other's hands yep. or giving each other a massage or giving each other oral sex or whatever. Like just that reduces stress like crazy. Sex is a great tension tamer. It can be. Yep. And that, but yeah. again, I, I just come back to, you have to recognize it in yourself and not expect it from others. That yeah, You can't be mad at other people for not picking up on what you need. Right. You need to pick up on what you need. You need to ask for what you need and you need to carve out time to give yourself what you need. And then get what, and give yourself permission to feel it, to just, you know, it's okay. Cause that's the one thing I think of is I'm working with a couple, just hypothetical of one of them is, has come to a new realization about something and they're just really sad. And so they've got the, the waterworks are going and the snot's going and they're just almost to the verge of uncontrollable. And it's very common then that the spouse, will slide over, put an arm around them, 
or you know hand a kleenex which is you know we talked about that <laughs> or or something but all of those are basically there's an undercurrent that could be hey get yourself together mm. or re rely on me or whatever when i'm a big proponent depending on the issue of what's going on where it's not uncommon where i'll tell the spouse that's trying to reach over don't do that let yeah. them handle this Give them time and space let them experience this this is something that's going to be beneficial for them because it's going to develop their resolve to handle themselves and that does not at all mean to no longer be a crier that just means i can do this without trying to control others i can do this because it's controlling me and that's yeah. the difference yeah and i think bottom line is with all these emotions that we've talked about with fear anger sadness expect them it, they yes. come part and parcel with being human right and if we can friend them uh it, it's actually the best thing that we can do it's one of the main focuses of women at the well we actually spend a day on fear a day on anger a day on sadness a day on gladness uh, because i do think that when you feel these completely you can move on to become a happier person but don't stuff them into the into the basement of your soul right because that's where they're going to fester and right. cause a lot more problems than they really need to right. just let them be your guide they're trying to tell you that something needs adjusting just figure out what it is make that adjustment and press on so invite them into your life and then the scary thing is invite them into your marriage because th how many times mm -hmm. do you share with your partner you know i'm really upset about this and they immediately well hold on let's you know they want to fix it they want to be in it rather than okay do you need something from me in this what how can i how can i walk alongside you in this and that's the scary part because it seems like that goes counter to a lot of what is proposed out there as marriage help when yeah you got to kind of handle yourself and then invite the partner to come alongside yep that'll preach Corey allen that'll preach well this has been sexy marriage radio thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us if you like what you hear and you want to help support us the bed buddy club join it Look for the purple button. That's where you can find ways to help more. We'll see you next time. We love you for listening.